It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, everybody, welcome to the Barca Blagranas podcast. We are joined by Colin from the Busby Babe. Colin, how are we doing today? I'm good. Um, you know, a thrilling Thursday night football game. What, what more could you ask for? Yeah, you know, we're just going to say a thrilling European match between Manchester United and Barcelona. <laughs> we're not going to mention that it was in the Europa League. Uh, I I honestly don't care that it was in the Europa League. I It would have meant, I mean, here's the thing. It could have been an exhibition match for all I care. And it was just fun to watch a rejuvenated United and Barcelona go at it because I think if anyone had told us, you know, even like six months ago, these two teams are going to match up in the Europa League would have been like, uh, yeah, well, we kind of know that and it's going to suck. But as it turns out, we're watching, you know, maybe the best team in Spain and one of the three best teams in England, three, you know, two on on their day, uh, battle it out. And so it was incredible. I, what What are you going to remember from this first leg? I mean, I, I think the lasting image is going to be Marcus Rashford running away after that second goal went in. Um, obviously, he didn't score it, but, you know, he was the driving force for both of the goals. Um, and he's just he's in such beautiful form right now. I, I, he's one of the most informed players in the world. Um, seeing him live up to his potential and seeing him deliver on that sort of stage at Camp Nou um, you know, it's it's what every United fan has wanted to see over these past few years. Um, and, and, and like you said, it, it was in the Europa League, but it obviously meant more than that to both of these teams. It, it was, you know, both of these teams caught each other off guard in certain ways throughout the match. I think 2-2 was a fair result in the end. But, um, you know, 
embracing that stage of what it means for Barcelona and Manchester United to play against each other, um, I think speaks to where both of these clubs are at right now in terms of rebuilding themselves and trying to find themselves again uh, on the biggest stage. Yeah, and I think you still saw both uh, the flaws that both clubs still have in their certain moments. I know for Barcelona, I mean, when I saw he was freaking starting uh, Marcus Alonso, instead of like we, I, I had literally spent the last few weeks touting how fun it was to finally have a back line that I was like proud of, like with Araujo, Kunde, and Christensen, you know, put two of them at center back, put the last one at right back, and then Balde or uh, freaking Jordi Alba at left back, preferably Balde, because he, even in this match, looked way better than Jordi Alba when he came in. And the fact that he just rolled out, Mark, and I know Alonso scored a goal, whatever, but rolling him out at center back in a match like this, when you have Christensen, was just insane to me. And so, I mean, for Barcelona, just more of Xavi confusing me confounding me and then for united uh casimir is the most perplexing player to me because he had like he had some some just as usual casimiro world-class moments like getting gavi off the ball and then just sunning him by just looking him down was great but then the united midfield just just loves to give the ball away in terrible spots and it honestly i mean you could tell me it was should have been like you know 3-1 or something like that and i would believe you because united just continually seemed to step over their own foot every time they did something good yeah, I think um, that's kind of been like a recurring problem with Casemiro since he's become uh, our, you know, first choice defensive midfielder, which, you know, over the first couple of games, he kind of had to take that role away from Scott McTominay, who was playing OK. But Scott McTominay is obviously not the same level as Casemiro, just as an all around player. Um But, yeah, he he gave the ball away against Arsenal earlier this season that almost you know, gave away a goal late when it was still just 2-1. I think, you know, obviously if that game had gone differently, Arsenal would have, uh, you know, a three-point lead at this point in the Premier League. Um, There are a couple other instances. um, Trying to build out through Casemiro is difficult um, because we're missing Christian Eriksen. We were also missing Marcel Sabitzer in this game, who we loaned in to kind of replace Eriksen. and we also didn't have Lissandra Martinez, who is really important for progressing the ball forward and kind of moving up into midfield and possession. So I, I think there was a little bit more pressure on Casemiro uh, on the day than maybe there usually is, but that is a recurring problem for him. And then Fred, um, you know, sometimes he's great. I love Fred, but he's another one of those that just like he'll have his Fred moments where he thinks he's about to play the most beautiful pass ever. And it goes right to Frankie Dion. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like Casemiro doesn't have like at Real Madrid, he could play a little bit more reckless because he had some of the quality around right. him. And it's like, they knew what to expect from him. And at United, uh, I think it was, uh, were you watching the CBS Paramount plus feed? Yeah. So, yeah. um, yeah. When I they tried were talking, watching it, when they were talking about how, uh, uh, I can't remember who the United player was who had the quote where they were like, we almost enjoy giving the ball away so Casemiro can win it back. And then I think it was like right before Casemiro gave the ball away in a terrible position. And it just seems like it's it's just kind of a learning thing for him almost, even though he is one of the best defensive midfielders in the game, just to not be so risk averse, you know, or he is too risk averse, I think is the way it is. But Yeah, I, obviously, when you have Luka Modric and Tony Kroos yeah. uh, around you, you know, ball progression is not going to be your responsibility for most of the time. And he's had a much different role since coming to United. He's had to be more of an all-around player. 
And for the most part, it's worked out really well. But um, I, I think it kind of speaks to the lack of quality in, you know, his pivot partner position, which is one of the reasons that, uh, you know, last summer, Eric Tanag wanted someone like Frankie de Jong or specifically Frankie de Jong uh, so badly. Uh, somebody who can carry the ball confidently, somebody who can shield the ball and somebody who can, you know, play passes from any part of the pitch. Uh, Barcelona's entire first choice midfield is going to be out next week with Busquets, Xavi, or uh, Xavi, I wish, uh, Busquets, Gavi, <laughs> and Pedri all out next week. Uh, are you feeling confident? Lisandro Martinez should be back. Uh, is Savasser going to be back? He will. Uh, he and Martinez both had uh, yellow card suspensions from their group stage campaigns. So oh, okay. uh, they'll both be available. Okay. So you got to be feeling good, right? I feel better than I did yesterday. Um, I mean, I, I love watching Pedri. Um, when he went off after 40 minutes, I was I was sad. Just like I know that it was beneficial for United that they didn't have to deal with him. But, you know, he's one of the midfielders who I think is really going to take over the game over the next two or three years. Um, and I just can't believe Gavi. I mean, yeah, the, it was the foul on Fred. And I was like, okay, if Marcus <laughs> Rashford has the ball and he's advancing forward, Maybe, you know, maybe throw your yeah. body at him. But what a dumb play. Like, it's Fred. Yeah. He's not going to go box to box and blast the ball in or even like, I don't know. He could have caught up with him. That's just so frustrating that he picked up the yellow card there because it really is like, it's going to be problematic because I think the midfield mm-hmm. was one of the reasons that Barcelona was able to stay in this game. Like, they were able to pickpocket mm-hmm. just United a decent amount and control the midfield, control possession. And they're just not going to be able to do that with freaking Sergio Roberto next week. <laughs> Yeah, I think the technical drop off between Pedri and Gavi to Sergio Roberto, and you know, I, I'm not sure what the Barcelona probably like Pablo looks Torre like. will be the other guy. Yeah, uh, it's just not. It, it it took away probably their biggest advantage against Manchester United, which is or was they were able to control the midfield for most of the first half. Uh, there was a period after like half an hour where United really made them look uncomfortable, but um, you know, in the second half. It, it seemed like when they were able to finally push forward and they had their periods of possession where they got those two goals after conceding, that wasn't midfield control. That was they finally caught a break and they were able to get the rest of their team forward and get Casemiro at the base of that possession. Um, it's Whenever the ball was in the middle of the park, it was either chaotically moving between United players with the hopes of getting it forward or it was Barcelona transitioning into attack. And it was, for the most part, it was the latter. <laughs> I'm honestly just sad, too. I didn't get to see uh, Usman Dembele take on Aaron Wambasaka, who you gave a four in your <laughs> player ratings. Uh, yeah. Why, I guess, if Lozano Martinez is healthy, I assume he's starting over Luke Shaw center back. Like, what, I, is the center back mm-hmm. depth just that bad right now? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. 
Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Well, it's it's weird because Eric Tanag has always been a manager who likes to have his his left-footed players play on the left side of the defense and his right-footed players on the right. So Harry Maguire, who I, I know there's all the, you know, obsession with hating on him. I and, love Harry you know, Maguire. I don't want to hear it. Yeah. I mean, reasonably so last year he had a bad season, but, um, you he's know, he's the best he, center backs of the World Cup. Yeah, he's a decent player and he can do a job for United. But um, his primary position is as a left center back. And under Eric Tanag, he's always wanted to try and play him as a right center back, which he's done a few times in the Premier League to varying degrees of success. He's good at progressing the ball, but he's, you know, his tendency is to kind of drift left when they're defending in transition, and that kind of causes chaotic moments. Um, so, which is why Luke Shaw played at center back. Uh, he he wants a left footer there when Lissandra Martinez isn't there. Um, Luke Shaw will probably move to left back when Martinez comes back in. Malasia is good. Um, he's probably better, a bit better defensively than Luke Shaw is, but Luke Shaw just offers so much going forward. Um, when he and Martinez are both on the field, it really helps cover for, you know, um, if you have somebody like Fred on the left side of your midfield, um, their passing and their ability to kind of dribble forward and carry the ball is really, really useful. Um, so it, it'll probably be more comfortable with if, if Rafael Varane is able to come back, play next to Martinez, Luke Shaw on the left, and then maybe Diogo Delo on the right. Although he was available yesterday and Wambasaka still started over him, um, which was confusing for a lot of United fans. But um, it could have gone worse because his biggest mistake he did end up making up for. <laughs> so. uh, is Anthony going to be back? I'm not sure. Um, he and Anthony Martial have both been out for two or three weeks now. Um, Anthony didn't train on Wednesday at all. Um, and there were players who trained on Wednesday that didn't play on Thursday. So um, I'll have to look at some team news reports today to figure out whether he's yeah. even going to play uh, I'm Sunday I'm Googling around Leicester. and it's like, it's just confusing. Nobody has an answer uh, yeah. about him or Martial. So speak, just talking more about Manchester United because I don't get to talk about them very much and I love them. Uh, not love them. I like watching them a lot because I'm just fascinated yeah. with them. And honestly... They have a decent amount of likable players now. It's not like the Manchester United of old where it's like they have... Although I will say this, uh, Garnacho is slowly growing in the dislikable category for me. Is he someone <laughs> that United fans are like, yeah, he's our guy and we support him? Because he kind of just seems, I'm going to be honest, like a little turd. Oh, yeah. Um, so Garnacho kind of seems like he's moving into that category of how I think other fans view Bruno Fernandes, which is... Okay, yeah. You know, he's he's our guy and he's going to fight tooth and nail on the pitch. He's going to, you know, he's going to go really hard in the tackles. He's going to, you know, take advantage of every time he's fouled. Other fans absolutely hate that. And I totally understand why, because it's you're going to see the him Ronaldo stuff. That's yeah, what you're, you're going to see him rolling around on the ground. You're going to see him holding his knee. You're going to see him getting in the ref's face whenever somebody on his own team is fouled, asking for yellows or reds or whatever. And that that's just the kind of, you know, 
that's the kind of passion that is instilled in all the in the, both of those players. Lissandro Martinez is very similar. So See, that stuff um, doesn't bother me as much because I think like every team has footballers that do that now. Every like it, mm-hmm. and, it, and it's frustrating. It's all the Ronaldo celebrations that kill me with him. I, I it's <laughs> like and maybe it's just because Bleacher Report just shows pictures of him doing it all the time, and I'm so I, I'm just inundated with every time he scores, he does like six Ronaldo celebrations in one. Uh, but he's cool, whatever. Uh, yeah, as someone who is not a Ronaldo fan and had to deal with him being back at United for a year and a half, I agree. I was I was really fed up with all the Bleacher Report and ESPN FC propaganda going on. Um, let's talk about the just the the Premier League. So, uh, your crosstown rivals did you a little favor and kept you in the Premier League race this week. You're somehow only five points back. Are you are you allowing yourself to be uh, tempted with the idea that Manchester United? are in the Premier League race, or is the fact that they're still in four competitions going to just dist- decimate their chances at a Premier League title? Yeah, that has me a little bit worried. Um, I, I said on our podcast yesterday, um, I think it's more likely that we do the like Liverpool 2001 treble of FA Cup, League Cup, Europa League, than it is that we win the Premier League title. Um, everyone wants to think that Manchester United are in the title race, but... Uh, being five points back and potentially eight points back because Arsenal do have a game in hand. Um, It's not an ideal position to be in at this stage when we've already played twice against both of those teams. So um, the opportunity to take points off of them has passed. Uh, Manchester City are rejuvenated by this, like everyone's against us attitude over, you know, all the allegations of phony sponsorships and under the table payments that they're facing. Um, Pep Guardiola loves when he can use that narrative because it often works. Um, and Arsenal are just really good. <laughs> you know, it's I, I think it's a, it's very positive that it seems like United are locked for a top four spot. Uh, it's definitely a sign of the progress that they've made in just eight months or so under Eric Tanag. But I, I, I don't actually think we're in the title race. Um, well, we just, I have, just, just I have looked at have, the league table a just lot. Just wait till <laughs> you have the oil money. The oil money is coming oh, is, is, is what I'm reading about. How are, how oh, do you God. feel about that? Uh, I'm actually, I'm writing about this right now that like, um, I, I'm not a fan of it. Um, it would definitely have an impact on, you know, my, my personal feelings as a fan of how I see the club. Um, the idea of them becoming a front for a nation state, especially uh, one that is, you know, has already used football as a platform to distract from, uh, you know, abhorrent human rights abuses and allegations. Uh, it really worries me. Um, obviously, everyone wants Kylian Mbappe. Everyone wants to be able to buy all the big players. And I, I think, you know, at this time, Manchester United is a team that, probably needs that kind of support in the summer that which they they currently would not have so so you don't uh, have to start football, Vout Horse at center forward anymore right instead of instead of an emergency Vout Horse signing you can actually go and buy a permanent striker <laughs> um I, you know those are the obvious benefits and that's why so many you know fans on social media especially are you know vocal in support of wanting that kind of investment in the club whether it's from Qatar or whether it's from private Saudi investors who are reportedly interested or, you know, similar to Todd Bailey at um, Chelsea, some sort of hedge hedge fund manager who's going to buy you 10 players per window. But yeah. um, hedge daddy, just yeah. at the checkbook. 
Uh, how I, old do you I, think about Vekhorst is? 28. Oh, wow. Okay. See, no, he's 30. I would have guessed he was like 37 ah, okay. based off the way he moves. I mean, the dude looks like he has, yeah. maybe he has a bad injury history. And so I should feel bad about this, but I honestly have no idea. I mean, it looks like he can hardly move out there. He's just a big lad, you know, um, he, he, he's got a, he's got a lot of flesh and bones to move around. Yeah. Uh, do you think that there's any way Manchester United would have signed him had he not done what he did at the World Cup? <laughs> I think maybe just because Eric Tanag seems really plugged into like Dutch players, um, which is understandable because that's the league he came from and he is Dutch. Um, that's fair. I'm not sure though. Um, I mean, we ended up with Odin Agalo one January, so who knows? How, <laughs> who knows how these signings are made? So let's just assume. Manchester United don't win the Premier League this year. You know, hopefully, for your sake, they can get a title, maybe two out of all the, I guess, their best chance. When is the final with Newcastle? Is that soon? Yeah, it is a week from this Sunday. So, February 26th. Oh, wow. So, literally, I the think... match right after the Barcelona match. Yeah, it's right after the second leg. Oh, fun. Okay. It's good content for you. Uh, <laughs> What is your summer wish list? And it can't be Kylian Mbappe, like realistic yeah. uh, summer wish list, because we all have Kylian Mbappe on our summer wish list, because, oh my gosh. And we, we can well, actually, <laughs> I actually, I do want to talk about the Champions League with you, because I want to talk about it with somebody. But just before we get to that, summer wish list. Uh, so, number one is probably a midfielder to go alongside Casemiro. Uh, ideally, it's someone who is a tempo setter. So, I think Frankie de Jong is you know, high on not for sale. Yeah. Right. That's, that's, that's the big worry. Um, you know, last summer, I think the financial situation was different, but Barcelona seemed like they're going to win La Liga. So well, it's, it's not going to be the tough thing is he probably like, if there was any way he knew that Manchester United would become what they are today. Last he summer, may have. Yeah. Yeah. He may have come because they were still a dumpster fire. Like it looked like they were, yeah, like, it was awful. They were terrible. So of course he wasn't going to go. I was now, shocked that Casemiro wanted to come to Manchester United. I'm like, this guy could win two more Champions Leagues if he stayed with Real Madrid. But um, yeah, so somebody like Frankie De Jong, if they can't get Frankie De Jong, I would, I would really like Frankie De Jong uh, just because he fits Eric Tenog, and Eric Tenog, you know, was the originator of what Frankie De Jong's midfield role is, and probably what his best midfield role is, which is, you know, kind of playing off of either side of the holding midfielder and playing the role of advancing the ball. Um, I have, we, I have a proposal for you. So there's a club in London that likes to pay a lot of money for players and then loan them out. <laughs> after they have a terrible year. What if Enzo right. Fernandez has a horrible next six months, you loan him for a year. a la Romelu Lukaku. Maybe you do yeah. him, get him to gain a few pounds. Uh, and you know, maybe you sign Enzo Fernandez for 40 million. Yeah, look, Enzo Fernandez was probably two or three on my list before January or before he signed for Chelsea. So uh, that that's a perfect shout there if that works out. Um, personally, you know, um, my father's English. I've always supported the England national team. Uh, I really wanted Jude Bellingham back when he was Ooh. first leaving Birmingham City. I would I would love if United could get Jude Bellingham alongside Casemiro in that midfield. Uh, Do we know not... what club Jude Bellingham like? flirts with that he wants to go to is he a real Madrid um, guy it's kind of unknown because he was always like he was birmingham city fan as a kid he went up through their academy he he played for them you know their first team at 15 16 years old um so there's not a whole lot of like 
speculation on what his fandom is but i've heard real madrid and liverpool are like leading the race yeah, to sign him. i'm seeing i'm seeing liverpool and chelsea yeah when he was at england camp with the world the world cup squad uh he was hanging out with like jordan henderson a lot um and there was all sorts of like you know twitter speculation from liverpool fans so and, and you know he's the next dortmund player that everyone wants so um this summer is going to be a lot of clubs, you know, matching the price and having to deal with his agent personally to see which way he'll sway. I think United are in a better spot now to, you know, maybe win his services than they were uh, last summer. But uh, who knows? There's going to ev- everyone's going to want him and everyone has a use for him because he's that good. He's, you know, he's a box to box player. He's not necessarily the kind of tempo setter like. Frankie de Jong is, but he's he's still an excellent ball progressor and he's great at moving forward, which is what they need in that position. Uh speaking of ex-Dortmund players, uh where are you on Sancho? How are you feeling? Oh, yeah, I'm I'm feeling better than I was a couple months ago. Um it, it was worrying when he he had a period away where um over the World Cup, Eric Tenog sent him to the Netherlands to train with uh, a team of personal coaches to work on his fitness. Um, and th- there were also uh, reports that his mental health wasn't in a great spot. Um, you know, he, w- he was one of the England players that was severely racially abused. Um, he suffered a lot of, you know, racist abuse after the penalty shootout lost to Italy. I think that kind of uh, overshadowed some of his first season at United, along with U- Manchester United turning into a dumpster fire uh, over the span of two months. Um, you know, and, and a lot of that was put on him because he didn't come in and he wasn't, he came in and he wasn't the player that he was at Dortmund right away. So, um, it's taken some time. I think he's played really well since he's come back. Uh, you know, that 70 million pound price tag is hefty. Um, but I, I think, uh, in time he'll, he'll deal with it. Well, you know, he's still a young player. He's still got a lot to offer and he's the kind of winger that, um, Eric Tenog likes to have. Um, he's very creative. He likes to stay out wide. He likes to, you know, not necessarily drift into the attacking positions where the forwards are. And he he's, you know, instrumental in build up. So um yeah, I, I'm I, I like I like Jin Sancho. He was a player I wanted for a really long time. And um I, I'm glad to see he's doing better. Uh Premier League, if you had to bet on it now, who wins it? Right now, that means I can't quickly Google the schedules of Manchester City and Arsenal. <laughs> you, you can, because I, I was also curious. <laughs> Arsenal, are they in any other competitions besides the FA Cup right now? I think they're still in Europa League, but... Um... I don't think so. Oh, did they get knocked out of the group? Yeah, they're not in the Europa League. I don't, did yeah. they even make the Europa League? Yeah, they did. Wait, yeah, they on. were they were in the group stage. You know, I I still think Arsenal can win it. They they get another shot at City. They have some tough games left, but they also have a a, a bunch of games against re- relegation level teams. Um, I I yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go ahead and say Arsenal do it. Um, I would really like it if City did not three p. Um, that's one thing that Manchester United have over everyone still is that they've won it three times in a row on two occasions. So, um. Yeah, I'm going to go with Arsenal. 
I feel really old right now. They won their Europa League group, but I'm not seeing their Europa League matches on Google. Can you? Can you? Oh, also, it, um, who are the they? They haven't done the draw yet, so they haven't done the bracket draw, so they don't know uh, when the schedule yeah. is going to be for those games. Yeah, that is so strange to me. I, I guess did they do the Europa League differently than the Champions League? I guess that's just... yeah. So the the round of 32 is 16 second place teams against. The teams that fell out of, uh, oh. or no, it's it's not a round of thirty-two. It's like another round of sixteen okay. where I, it's right. yeah. I, I get what you're saying. They so they get like a buy basically. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Which is why it was extra annoying that United had to play this round and then they drew Barcelona. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, that makes so much sense. You know, I pride myself on knowing as little of the Europa League as possible, so the this makes a lot of sense. Yeah. The funny thing is they came. The only reason they came in second was on goal differentials associated dad, right? It was like, yeah, one goal. Mm-hmm. That's hilarious. Yeah, they had they had to win by two in Spain and they won one nil. Lovely. <laughs> Cristiano Ronaldo was awful in that game, by the way. <laughs> oh, that's just great. Poor Cristiano. Uh I got nothing else for you. I think we're gonna hopefully chat next week on your podcast. Uh yeah, sounds about good. the match. Prediction. Who uh who moves on in the Europa League between Barcelona and Manchester United? I'm going to go United three, Barcelona one. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, it's a bit of a homer pick for me. No, honestly, like if I was trying to be neutral about it, just looking at what Barcelona are missing, it's going to, if, as long as Marcus Rashford doesn't pull a hamstring, uh, fingers crossed that I think Villa this weekend, it's going to be uh, hard for them to, because part of the reason they were able to even stay in the game at the camp. No, I felt like was because they had, control of the ball like whenever united had the ball and rashford was doing rashford things as uh it was it was terrifying so yeah he's like an nba all-star right now it's like you can give him the ball and he'll get you a bucket it's yeah you know it it was kind of the same way against leeds a couple weeks ago where nothing was really going for them they were down by two and then they got a rashford goal and bang they're right back in it yeah the uh the back-to-back leeds matches those were fun uh yeah Colin, thank you for joining us. Everyone check out the Busby Babe podcast and the busbybabe.com. Uh, actually, it's the busbybabe.sbnation.com, right? Right. As okay. of now. <laughs> yeah. As of now. Oh, fingers crossed. Um, Colin, thank you for joining us. Yeah, Josh, thanks for having me.